0: Welcome to the Betsy Boss
1: Podcast. Welcome back. We're so happy to be back with you because we've got a listener requested topic today, which we're so excited to do. It actually, it didn't strike either of us as a topic that was particularly apropos for our podcast because we are a kind of female themed, female run, you know, female topic type of podcast. But the listener, a man actually himself, Mm -hmm. thanks a lot, Dave, for the request. Um, Dave actually let us know that in this particular topic, it's sort of an apocalyptic topic. And for whatever reason, and we're gonna get into what those reasons are, more women than men by a long shot survived this kind of apocalyptic Mm -hmm. circumstance. And it's really, really interesting as to why. And I think everybody's going to be fascinated to hear about it, especially because it kind of connects to a modern day issue that the media has been having with One Army Hammer. Mm -hmm. We brought it up before we did our little spring break, and we haven't really talked about it since, but there was all of this. Stuff, all this news information coming out about Army Hammer, the famous actor who's just more beautiful than an angel. He is stunningly gorgeous and he's immensely talented. Yeah. It's kind of shocking. He was in Call Me By Your Name. And he just was this incredible actor and suddenly kind of i'd say late last year early this year information came out about him being a cannibal right and it's just beyond weird i mean out of left field i don't think anybody really cared about army hammer one way or the other other than knowing hey this guy has a face that looks like it was carved by angels and he's a terrific actor but because of this information that came out about his cannibalistic and abusive tendencies, people really started to talk about him. So I just think this topic couldn't have come at a more apropos time. Yeah, well, and even even during
0: the COVID times, I'm thinking too, like, you know, it feels like one of these kind of pandemic-esque, obviously not even on the same, you know, level, but this kind of taboo, I don't know.
1: I get what you're saying because it's like this kind of apocalyptic weird thing where yeah you're kind of like would this ever happen in real life it yes like a fairy tale Great way like to a really yeah. dark summit more like yeah um and it did happen these scary things did happen and um I don't even know if we mentioned in fact that the topic today is the Donner party no we didn't we did not um, we left
0: it Um, The first thing that came to mind, even after just starting to look into it, was the classic uh, computer game, The Oregon Trail.
1: Yes. And The Oregon Trail, if you grew up in the 90s, was a super duper popular game to play on the computer. Now, it was... Probably the most rudimentary, oh my like, god, technologically, like- <laughs> yeah, pixelated <laughs> game ever. But essentially, yeah. what would happen is it, you couldn't win, right? Yeah. I mean, I never won. I never. Even I actually close. never played
0: it. I never played it. I've no way. No. Mm-mm. Oh my god. You gosh, have it well- at home, or was it like at school, or? I I want to say it was at
1: school, but basically, the whole point of the game, from what I could tell, is yeah. to educate kids on how shitty stuff was on the Oregon Trail and just how impossible it was to get anywhere on that Oregon Trail. Like how to
0: preserve and how to plan, but it was really just everyone dying of dysentery and you know, whatever.
1: (laughs) Yes. Yeah. I mean, the most crazy circumstances would befall you on the Oregon Trail game. <laughs> and I, I can't even imagine what the real Oregon Trail was like, because it was oh traumatic just to play the game. Oh I mean, God. you'd think that you were getting really far down the Oregon Trail, you'd think you were going to survive. And then you'd hear this banjo chime oh on. <laughs> and it would say like, some horrible thing that happened to you and your party like for example like oh beavers came and ate your entire supply of (laughs) grandfather clocks oh my god like and you know (laughs) at that point you're dead right Right. and your party's destroyed you're not going out there there's no hope you're not making it so you're not beating
0: the weather and I don't know I've seen some stuff on it like there's one part isn't it where you can if you have enough uh, bullets, you can like shoot for your food or something like that too. You can try to like forage, I guess. And
1: I yeah, yeah. it was all about like resources and trying to just get through. But I mean, again, so rudimentary. Yeah. It wasn't even, it was a lot like a choose your adventure.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: that's true. But- really, really basic technology yeah. and basic kind of options where if you choose one path, you know, you're getting eaten by beavers, you choose another path and <laughs> you're dying of dysentery, right. which I think was the most popular way to go. Back yeah. Then.
0: Yeah. I can imagine God, all the stuff you're eating and your body's not used to all the bacteria or whatever that you're taking in. Like, woof.
1: oh, I can't even imagine. Well, what's crazy is with the whole, Um, trip out West, the pioneers going out that direction. I just came back from a trip to Colorado and I was commenting to you about how it still feels like that area out West is kind of new. Yeah, Like all of the buildings sort of look like they could just blow away, you know, (laughs) in like the desert air and everything looks like it was built yesterday. Yeah. Whereas in Philly, which still America is a relatively new country obviously, but like in Philly we have old city, we have certain areas that are very historical and you know, they're hundreds of years old Denver felt like everything was built yesterday so and even even
0: newer than like, I'm thinking Chicago, where you obviously have like turn of the century buildings, you know, 1910s, 1920s that have been preserved and are still around. But this felt even like newer than that to you out there. Like yeah, a lot even newer of really new.
1: Yes. Yeah. And the vibe too was also really interesting. It felt a lot like kind of these pioneers people mm. felt very nomadic they felt yeah felt transient and I mean please if you're a listener give us your impressions of yeah out west um but it just felt so so different from here it almost felt more foreign than any foreign country I've ever been to, just in terms of the value system, in terms of the folks out there, what Mm -hmm. they were trying to accomplish and why they had come out there in the first place. So it really kind of reinvigorated my interest in this topic in the Oregon Trail and kind of heading out West and the next frontier and all that stuff.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure even the terrain and stuff out there too, because we don't really have Like if you're going to Pittsburgh, you obviously drive through the mountains, but I feel like what I know of the mountains out our way is just like driving through and trying to hold onto the steering wheel as you're, you know, navigating those. Like, I don't know. I've never been somewhere just seeing probably like beautiful mountains like that, but I can't imagine trying to go through them differently, you know, than in a car, Yeah, like, (laughs) yeah, I mean, I cannot imagine
1: just the topography is so different from here. The mountains are so immense. Yeah. And like you said, I don't know how the heck they, aside from using TNT to blow stuff up, I don't know how they traversed those just
0: immense mountains. And some of the tunnels that you'd go through, you're like, what the hell is holding this shit up? Oh my God. like yeah. those, those tunnels through mountains, who freak me out.
1: Not my favorite, even the no. Lehigh tunnel. I'm not a yeah. big fan of, and it's, that's like, you know, on the smaller end of yeah. things, but Oof. yeah, it just, you really get the feel for like, wow, these pioneers had to go through some shit Seriously. and had to really want to be out West.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing too. Like what drives you to really, I don't know, go, go want to go through that for virtually like all unknown like yeah people can tell you oh it's great opportunity out here but you really don't know like I right know. right
1: or there's gold there's whatever right. I mean I don't know about you but no amount of gold is worth risking dysentery getting your grandfather clocks oh eaten God. by beavers right. and like <laughs> losing that? your entire family or
0: right, hey, how about this one eating everybody in oh, your group here we go here we go We're tying it back yep what they're known for bring Donna's it back party Yep. Donner party, baby. Oh, well, it definitely wasn't a party. <laughs> no,
1: it wasn't any kind of party that I'd want to go to. That's no, for sure.
0: No. So They should right. have called
1: it the Dahmer party.
0: Oh my God, you're so right. You're so right. It should have been the Dahmer party. I was going to say the Donna party for the women, Ooh. you know, women I aspect. Like I like the Dahmer party, truthfully. That's a good one. I like it. Right? Yep. Um. All right. Should we get into it then? Let's get into it. Okay. Um, so a little background on the time. So the 1840s, just kind of starting out was when a lot of people in the U.S. had started to leave the Midwest for California and Oregon tr- uh, territory. At the time, the only access was really by a long sea voyage or this frontier travel, which is insane. And we mentioned the Oregon Trail because most people followed that. It was kind of, at the time at least, for you know, what was going on there, the most well-known and most well-traveled pass to get through. And it usually took about four to six months to get um, from that area in the Midwest to about California. People were traveling 15 miles a day
1: which is horrifying. (laughs) If you think about that, like, and if you also think about four months of like those conditions, you're in your shitty wagon or whatever the fuck you like are starting in Missouri and you're just going across this continental divide of the Americas going this 15 miles a day. And you're just bracing yourself for six months or yeah. four months. Yeah, like, you gotta you, you gotta know hope it's you gonna gonna have all long. your
0: stuff, like that you can survive right. it and make it out there. Like exactly, know, it's pretty insane. But the thing that I think set the Donner Party up, just again, given some background on what one of the aspects that led to their crazy trip through the the West. Um, Typically, it was really important that you timed it correctly. So you would have to leave with enough time for in spring for there to still be grass for animals, but early enough in spring, because we're thinking four to six months, that you wouldn't get stuck in the winter when you're getting closer to California. And most people would usually leave Independence, Missouri in mid-April. That was like the sweet spot to leave and kind of hit all the perfect weather along the way. But the majority of the Donner Party left Independence, Missouri on May twelfth, and they were actually eighteen forty six. I know they well even more awkward. They were the last major pioneer train of nine of eighteen forty six to leave. Like, Which you can see how well that <laughs> good went. Luck people how encouraged
1: like, everybody else were.
0: Yeah, I could see the people in Independence, Missouri, like sending them off. Like well don't think they're going to make it, but good luck. Like good luck and Godspeed. I don't know.
1: Yeah. They're like, say goodbye to them. Cause yeah, you will never see them again.
0: Yeah. No, no. Yeah. They're getting a late start. It's not going to be good.
1: Yeah. And it's crazy. So they basically, the time was trying to encourage all of these settlers to come out West because the West was kind of this new final frontier. There was this big publication um, at the time called the Immigrant's Guide to Oregon and California, which I guess back in the day, that was like fun toilet reading. (laughs) But this guy Lansford wrote it and he basically just wrote the whole thing to pump up the idea that coming out West was like this Awesome idea! There's all these great opportunities out here. Wait, and I gotta he say, also
0: gave. So he was kind of like the fire festival of, of the time. <laughs> he was. Oh
1: my god, that's so. That's such I just a perfect thought, I like way to draw. He, he
0: literally is like, come out here. It's great. Come this way. Yeah. Come. Sorry. It's awesome. And
1: by the way, I don't have any real plans to get you through it. Right. I mean, it exactly. sounds good exactly. and it sounds fun.
0: You'll exactly. enjoy it,
1: but you might also die out here. Yes.
0: yes. So sorry, go, ha- go on with our buddy Lansford uh, Hastings.
1: Oh, of course. So good old Lansford, aka bad old Lansford, yeah. not only talked about how great it was out West, but he also decided to propose an alternative to the usual Oregon Sky. trail. And the Oregon Trail, like you said, was kind of the way to travel out west. It was, you know, kind of the road more traveled. It was by. the nine 90- it was Interstate 95 of the day. <laughs> it was. It was. <laughs> and it was it was successful. People knew for the most part. I mean, yeah. sure. People like Bad fates befell them, you know, just like any other trail. But still, this guy Lansford was like, no, no, no. You know what? I'm going to propose this alternative to the mm-hmm. Oregon Trail through Idaho's Snake River Plain. Already oh. sounds scary. Right? Tell me about it. So, and now get this here's a little chink in the chain as to his quote unquote more direct route. The direct route actually increased the mileage right. of the trip to california yep. across the great basin so the travelers would go through this wasatch wa- wasatch Was- <laughs> range, wasatch yeah <laughs> right and across this great salt lake desert so <laughs> i know i mean it's taking Doesn't these sound people <laughs> yeah it's not only taking you farther but it's taking you through a more harrowing journey right
0: Yeah, exactly. And one that no one has traveled before, which yes, I really have to wonder how much he mentioned that when he kind of set these people on their way on this route, like how much do they know about what he didn't know?
1: Exactly. Exactly. Like he just happened to leave out like much like our fire festival situation (laughs) just happened to leave out. Okay. By the way, nothing's coming. Nothing's set up. No one's ever done this before. But exactly. good luck
0: to you. Yeah, All the yeah, best. Exactly. So the the Donner party kind of grew along the way. And they actually started out in Springfield, Illinois, I believe. Um, and they were led by Jacob and George Donner. And they left in April. They get to Fort Bridger, like we said, kind of in May. And they're following followed the normal route to get there. Then they're heading out of there following the route that Hastings, Lance, our buddy Lanceford Hastings, had given them. Now, he wasn't at the fort to help them along their way. No, of he course was already, not. No, I mean, let's just follow a guy that's not even here leaving us notes and, you know, word of mouth. This trail's good. So he was ahead, apparently helping some other party get going on their trip and said, you know, just just go ahead. Um, you know, I'll meet up with you there. And so they're in the Wasatch, Wasatch Mountains. And when they reached the head of the canyon there, no Hastings, no Lansford Hastings there. But lucky for them, they found a note on a forked stick. You know, how things were done back then. As one does. Yeah. A very reliable piece of literature. Yes. And this warned that the route ahead was more challenging than he had thought. Oh, shocking. Shocking, buddy. You never went through right. it. Surprise. Surprise. Yeah. So we told him to camp there and wait for him to return. I just, I can't imagine living this lifestyle. They waited there eight days. No return. They sent someone and, up the like, the canyon, like... And you're just waiting, like you're just at the whim. Exactly. I mean, imagine,
1: like, here's the thing. Today we would have cell phones. We would have right. a million different ways to get in touch, ta- you know, in touch with people. Yeah. And back then, you just had to wait. All you have is a stick with a note <laughs> attached know. to it. What and if it rained? You're the just mis- supposed and to. The note got, and the like... note got dilapidated. Exactly.
0: Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. So. They're waiting their eight days. Finally, after a week and a day, they re- they think, all right, this is long enough. He should have been back. They sent a messenger up the canyon, which then takes several days. I guess that guy found him and told them that Hastings told them, follow a new route. They started to do that. However, this route was terrible. It was filled with thick trees, boulders, <laughs> and they pretty much had to make their own road like to get through it. So right. they finally made it through the Wasatch Mountains to the Great Salt Lake. But at that point, it had cost them 18 days. So they're not doing well. No, not even close. No.
1: And, you know, at this point, the oxen are, like, giving up. Okay. Yeah. Oh. The, these And this is their means of transportation. Mm-hmm. Um, there's these poor cows, oxen, mules, whatever. And they're just, like... Not knowing what the f to do, these things are oh my god, exhausted, they're dying, they're you know, and a lot of this party is starting to lose major faith in this Hastings cutoff. Yeah, um, you know, they're sort of starting to see what we see now, which is that Hastings was a little bit of a quack at some point after the party comes across this basically beat up piece of paper with the letter from Hastings saying, listen, shit's going to get a lot worse. And it's a lot worse than I ever thought it could have been. They start to make their way to this great salt Lake desert. And still it's called, or it's been referred to as one of the most inhospitable places on earth. Yeah. And at this point, the oxen are exhausted their water supply was almost gone. And I mean, we're in a really dangerous place. Um, So it's August. It's the end of August. So it's hotter than hell and they're in the desert and they had no choice but to press on. It was really, really nasty. And, you know, you can picture this desert because in the heat of the day, there was this moisture underneath the salt crust of the desert that would rise to the surface. So basically they were walking in this gummy sludge all day. Oh God, I had no idea. So nasty. The wagon wheels would sink into the sludge. Sometimes they'd get up to like the hub of the the wheels. So they're having to like yoink their wagon wheels all the way through. The days were freezing or super hot the nights were freezing I cold bet. you can picture that classic desert climate yeah and the group starts to go a little crazy at this oh point. my god they start seeing mirages they start seeing mirages of hastings specifically i know oh my i would be seeing oh my and being like you bastard <laughs> get to back here, here. <laughs> so after three days in this desert their water is completely gone and some of the party actually removed their oxen from the wagons to just go ahead to try to find more yeah and oh some of the animals actually just got abandoned I mean really bad um and (laughs) so this is kind of funny nine of the oxen just totally broke free. They were like, fuck this. Yeah. <laughs> um, and bolted off into the desert. They were like, we're done with this shit. We're yeah, going to go fuck find you water. We're like, like, yeah, fuck off. <laughs> um, at this point, a ton of the other families, cattle and horses also went missing. So no. clearly they were in cahoots with the oxen. Yeah. So there was just, this part of the journey resulted in just horrible damage to the wagons. Oh my God. And, you know, Of course, at this point, the journey was promised to be about two days, but instead it had taken six in these horrible, horrible conditions. Oh, my
0: God. And what, your body can only live for, what is it, like three days without water, seven without food or something like that? Something like that. Yeah. And,
1: you know, you can just picture them. I mean, especially under
0: those conditions, like what the heck?
1: Yeah. yeah. Um, Having to ration that
0: and then have all of your animals run off so you're rationing your water whatever you have and then having to pull your own carts or whatever like
1: yeah I can't even picture like did you hitch the wagon to yourself at that right yeah was it like two
0: of you taking the lead god
1: oh yeah so everybody's losing faith in this Hastings cut off at this point they're like this guy's a lunatic he's a quack They spent all this extra time that they burned trying to get the cattle back, trying to yoink the wagons out of the desert and trying to transfer their food and their supplies to the workable wagons. Oh, my God. So uh, so finally, they're getting through this. They decide to keep they cut their losses. They take the serviceable wagons. And they have just, like, this mongrel team of cows, oxen, and mules that are left
0: (laughs) rigged up to these remaining wagons. The duds who didn't take (laughs) off? The duds.
1: Literally, like, probably the, you know, rabid maniac horse that they just, like, hitched up to this wagon. (laughs) And basically, this, like, rabid team of oxen yoinks the wagons through the middle of September.
0: Oh, my God.
1: Oh, my God. So at this point, the Donner party is, you know, still pretty unscathed, shockingly. Yeah. I mean, even in spite of the fact that they at this point had no faith in Hastings. They're like, fuck this guy. They still had to follow what was left of his tracks. What they were so far gone.
0: Yeah. It's like, what are they going to do, though? I mean, they're in uncharted territory and they followed this guy this far. I think they at least were smart in that aspect where they weren't going to try to make their own route, you know, out there. They had to follow this one that at least they had heard about, but. um, So. Eventually, the group comes upon this group
1: of Native Americans who sort of seemed like they were going to be their buddies and join with them. Mm -hmm. But it turned out that all they really wanted were the oxen and horses because they ended up stealing or shooting a bunch of them. Which I'm just going to say,
0: I don't blame them because they got all these white settlers moving across. Oh, yeah, coming in on their land. And like,
1: they have no idea as to the lay of the land and how things work. And I would do the same thing. Like, goddamn. But- But sucks for the Donner Party. Sucks for the Donner Party. So now, having been ravaged by this group of Native Americans, it's well into October. The Donner Party has split off to make better time because
0: they're just, like, desperate. And so there's... Oh, God. So finally, at the end of October, October 28th, around that time, they, were, had, they had made it to the Sierra Nevada mountains and obviously very late in the season, they're making it through, but there was an unseasonably um, early snowfall and this actually trapped them in the mountains. So they ended up spending just before getting into the details, like the overall winter pretty much of 1846 and 1847 stuck in the mountains there. And like we've said, for various reasons, their food supplies were running low and they ended up retreating to the nearby Truckee Lake. And this was where they were going to wait out the winter in these ramshackle tents and cabins. Most of their livestock had already died. Um, this was one of like the worst snowy winters in history in that area. Um, when I was looking through, I saw there was another winter in 19 in the 1950s that was compared to it to it. But this one they got something like 20 feet of snow over the time that they were there. It was ridiculous. So they're there living their lives through December. And then finally on December 16th, 1846, 15 of these individuals decided to go get help. They had to do something. So they made these um, makeshift snowshoes and they trekked off to hopefully find help.
1: So uh, these snowshoes that they made were awkward, but still sort of effective (laughs) on this climb, right? Like, oh my God. Um, And Basically, the members at this point are starving. They've yeah. never camped in the snow before, and this snow is twelve feet deep at this <sighs> point. So, like, not only are these people exhausted, starving, et cetera, not accustomed to camping, they are completely snowblind, and they're basically finding out that there's a lot of lying between the different um, frontier people Mm -hmm. like one person hit a half pound of bear meat another person you know was sort of um straggling behind ended up getting found later on so this group is really getting lost confused beat down and finally there are I think two or three days that they just go completely without food yeah and this guy genius patrick dolan <laughs> makes the lovely proposition that one of the partiers should volunteer to die right. in order to feed the others you're right
0: yeah and then there i, I saw there was a, another suggestion um when obviously that wasn't gonna go was to have two men duel and whoever dies will eat that guy
1: which is so gross. Like, oh, it's what awful. the
0: heck? How nasty? It's awful. It's, it's it's terrible. But I don't know if to say luckily for them, but several people did eventually die naturally. Mm-hmm. And then they went ahead and ate them. But, <laughs> you know, like, down. <laughs> casual. Now, not all of them partook in cannibalism. Not all of them ate people. And actually two of the individuals on this trip out Um, I think it was called the Forlorn Hope was this group Mm -hmm. that went out to try to find help. And two of them were actually Native Americans named Salvador and Luis, who had joined them along this trip. And when they saw them starting to partake in cannibalism, they weren't partaking in it. They They were out. They were freaking (laughs) out. So they ran off and tried to get away. But they, you know, they were obviously afraid they were gonna be murdered or something. So they ran away. And unfortunately enough, they themselves were exhausted. And the group found them, they caught up to them days later. And William Foster, who was one of these one of these other members in the group, he shot and butchered them and they were eaten. So this was actually the one time, apparently who knows, but the one time during this whole expedition that somebody was murdered for food, which is awful. Oh.
1: Which is horrifying. And at this point, I mean, that guy, Patrick Dolan, who first made the lovely suggestion that made the Donner party what it is, um, went completely nuts. Right. He starts ranting deliriously, takes off all his clothes and runs into the woods. Okay. He comes back a little bit later, (laughs) dies a few hours after that. And not long after some of the group starts to eat this guy, Dolan. Oh, God.
0: Oh, so he he probably had hypothermia because that's actually what happens when you have it. You start to think like your body starts to shut down and you think you're actually warm and you start to strip. Um, Yeah. And so I bet he was probably. Oh, God, if he died that quickly. Oh, that's just awful. Just awful.
1: Oh, horrendous. Oh, my God. And so disgusting
0: and horrifying. Yeah. So out of the 15 that that headed out seven of them walked for a month (laughs) which how I don't know how do you do that like I I still don't don't understand
1: like my god and the things that they went through I just how in the hell did they survive
0: I know I just probably would have given up like I don't know me
1: too I I would have let the uh let it take over me let the insanity take over and just run into the woods with Dolan oh
0: (laughs) with Dolan take me with you
1: Right. I'm naked and afraid. Oh, Take me. Yeah.
0: And I'm naked and want to die because I could not go through that. But no, no chance. Ugh. Oh, my gosh. So after the month, they reached California and were able to organize help to come back and get them. And before we kind of go through all of this, the one thing I want to say that I noticed, like going through this story, was that the majority of the time that um, they were stranded there was actually after they had been discovered, So it's just like thinking about how much time it takes and how difficult it was to get rescue teams in there. So they knew these people were there, but there's a lot that goes on after somebody makes it out and says, Hey, we need help. Like you're still stuck there for months.
1: Oh, of course. And who's going to go in there willingly to save these people? I mean, no offense, but like the last (laughs) thing you wanted, (laughs) not me, (laughs) (laughs) no offense, but ew, I'd rather die than go over there and like, try to save some people. No way. It's not worth it. Especially with the weather. Forget it. No, not happening. Not happening. And we're in like the beginning
0: of the winter. So you've got plenty more bad days to come. It's not, it's yeah. You'd be crazy to try to like, why risk more people dying, trying to rescue people that during this impossible time? Exactly.
1: Oh, So the rescue attempts sort of start, like you said, the words sort of starts to travel about this trapped group, but like, what was there to really do? Yeah. And basically <laughs> there was this whole alarm that these people are going to die if they don't get any help. And I guess they put out the word that rescuers are needed, but Mm -hmm. they can't force anybody to actually go. And nobody wants to volunteer to go because who the hell would So two weeks pass before any of these people actually agree to go out on this rescue party and try to save these poor saps in the wilderness. Mm -hmm. So eventually this rescue party decides to go or they die trying (laughs) And if we didn't, the the group said, you know, if we didn't try to save them, it would just be a total disgrace to us and, you know, to California. (laughs) So it was this pathetic thing. But what made me laugh is that the commander of this rescue party offered $3 a day to anybody who would join in the rescue. Are you so obviously very hefty paycheck Mm -hmm. for anyone willing to sacrifice their lives to go out and save these nameless people.
0: Wow. That's pretty impressive. I didn't know that.
1: Right. So, oh my gosh. So these local citizens eventually start to kind of make, you know, a public meeting happen, a little town hall situation to raise money and to organize a group of people to go and try to rescue these trapped dipshits in the uh, (laughs) mountains and all these citizens it's kind of funny because nobody wants to go and rescue them but a lot of people did offer money you know Mm. goods food stuff to that effect yeah but oh my gosh it's just it's so sad but this is you know this is the first relief yeah what it was called was this kind of the inner workings of a rescue party coming out of San Francisco.
0: Yeah, so this first group, they were finally able to arrive in the middle of February 1847. And think about this, this is almost four months after they became trapped there. Like, I don't know, it's just, it's crazy. And there were obviously several other rescue efforts after that because the weather improved and also not everybody who was trapped there could go out on the first um, trip, they just weren't strong enough. And I believe during this first trip, it was still because of the snow and everything, they weren't able to bring their um, their oxen or whatever else, what other, uh, whatever other animals they were going to use to help them get out. So they really were bringing supplies. But I believe even before this, and maybe in the meantime, till the next group arrived, separately from the 15 that headed out and started cannibalism, The group here also that were left started uh, partaking in cannibalism too, because. Which
1: evidently it's like (sighs) not the most uncommon or foreign concept. Like, I would think that would be kind of your last, like, I'd rather die than eat a person, but I guess your instincts take over
0: and desperation kind of comes into play. And I know I tried to put myself, like, I just don't think you can put yourself in that to say, yes, I'd do it. No, I wouldn't. Like, I just think this is such a dire situation that none of us have ever been in. And I can't say one way or the other what your mind goes to at that point. So so true. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And so there were several rescue efforts. And finally, the last person to be rescued was Lewis. It's K-E-S-E-B-E-R-G. So keseberg. Kesse- um, he was a Prussian pioneer and he was found in April of eighteen forty seven. So almost a year later. Which is horrifying. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. And he And was- by he- this point, this is the fourth relief, right? I I don't know which one it is. I just know there <laughs> were several. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so many reliefs, relieves, whatever, at this point. Well, it's just so funny because, like, the first rescue party was the quote-unquote first relief. Mm-hmm. This is now the fourth relief. So it's the fourth inception of a rescue party where they God. finally rescue this last guy. Poor guy. And the poor motherfucker, they find him surrounded by half-eaten corpses. Oh, my God. And and half, half mad. Only half mad. Not fully Only mad. half mad. I don't know how you you know, diagnose somebody as being half mad, but right. I can only imagine that I would be fully mad at that oh, point. Having yeah, yeah. had I would to have, see all this horrible stuff I would and eat my friends. Full,
0: um, what's his name? Tom Hanks in uh, Castaway. <laughs> right. Oh my God. Uh, calling out after Wilson. Yeah, He'd be my only Wilson? friend. Seriously. Although it would have been Hastings like, ugh. yeah. Killing that guy.
1: So just to summarize kind of the mortality at Um, this Donner party and, you know, who, what we started with, what we ended with and what the hell happened in between. So there were 87 immigrants in the Donner party plus Lewis and Salvador. Right. And those were the two California native Americans who joined up in Nevada. And so this makes up a total of 89 people of the 89 people, about 81 were trapped in the mountains because of, you know, once people had, added to the group. People had departed from the group during the journey. They think it was about 81 people at that point. Of the 89 people at the high range of who was involved in the Donner party, 41 died, 48 survived. (laughs) Of the total 87 immigrants, 39 died and 48 survived. Of the 81 people trapped in the mountains, 36 died and 45 survived. So about two-thirds of the women and children survived, while about two-thirds of the men died. Mm-hmm. So you can sort of figure that out. Um, and who's who the odds were with on this uh fateful trip. And all four Donner adults, the couples George and Tams and Donner and Jacob and Elizabeth Donner died, which is ironic because they're the Donner party. Right. Um And yeah, I mean, it just makes for a pretty grave, nasty um, statistic that all these people died and gotten, got eaten for the most
0: part. Well, I know out of the group too, pretty much only two families survived intact Mm -hmm. also. So it was a lot of people, even if you made it through (laughs) the majority of your family was probably not making it with you. So how does this
1: horrifying instance connect back to our podcast? Yeah. Great let's question. let's give
0: our God, it's taking me back. What's it called? Not our thesis statement or our whatever, like all right, the so what of the right? Of the the so Betsy what? Boss Who podcast. cares?
1: We're all grossed out now. Thanks a lot. Yeah. But why do we care? <laughs> right. So Why we care is because it sort of seems like from the statistics of this horrifying incident that women are twice as likely as men to survive extreme cold and hunger. Mm -hmm. Um, And this was deduced from this newish study of the Donner Party. Um, And basically... What they think is that there's physical aspects, there's mental aspects, but through all of this analysis of the death patterns of the Donner party, it was discovered that women who were older than five and younger than 50 and part of large families had the highest survival rate. And of the group's 52 males, about 56% died while only 29% of the 33 females died. And some of the physical characteristics that women have that you know made them more likely to survive was their increased body fat. I know that mine would certainly help me. Yeah, in the, I'd make uh, it all the way
0: to California. Although yeah, they probably i I'd, to... <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'd be making it to San Diego. They'd find That's me right. a the with Hawaii. Shamu.
0: <laughs> oh. Shamu got out. <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> there he goes. Um, but yeah, women have this lower metabolic rate. They've got. An easier temperament. Now, that's sort of who's to say. Right. Um, but the, you know, the researchers thought that that was a big part of the psychological reason for yeah. increased survival among women. They also said that women are less prone to aggression, and mm-hmm. so females, because of all this, it's kind of funny. We were just talking about this how being an aggressive person and being an eager, easily angered person is almost a character weakness. Yeah. And this researcher thought the same thing because women who were less prone to aggression, less, you know, quick to get temperamental were hardier when mm-hmm. it came to surviving disaster. So it's really interesting because you think of kind of survivors as being these like nasty fighter you know, aggressive right. types, but in reality, it was the women's characteristic that made them kind of more female stereotypically, right? That helped them to survive.
0: Yeah. And it was interesting too. I saw that um even, you know, discounting the numbers or whatever, the women survived longer, just the male versus female. The men seemed to die off much sooner than the women. And again, you can, you know, attribute this to the, the different gender roles of the time. So it could be that the men were exerting more or expected to, you know, be the ones to go out and find the help or something like that. But just looking at statistics, as far as the breakdown of the groups, it just seemed like the women definitely lasted longer and more of them percentage wise ended up surviving the whole trip.
1: Yeah, and it's funny how the Donner Party really kind of is a way to show um, natural selection in action. Like, there's really no other
0: instance of like modern day. Yeah, like put in that situation, that type of situation where live or die, and how if you do live, how how do you end up being one of those people that lives and survives the whole trip? Like, yeah, I think it definitely can give some insight into why certain people and why certain genes like it'd be really interesting to see um even like the the genetic makeup or like the body types or whatever of the women that survived you know because obviously there's so many different body types and you can generalize saying women generally have more fat but like i think that would be interesting too as kind of a um a look into like you said the whole natural selection and whatnot
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even of the snowshoers, I don't know if you saw this, but, um, the 13 pioneers who snowshoed out of the mountains, like we talked about on the makeshift snowshoes, five women and eight men made this trip and six died. All of them were guys, every last one of them. So it's just kind of funny how even like that really hard type trip and, you know, difficult, daring, piece of the trip was kind of more in favor of women surviving. Right.
0: Right. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. And I think, like you said, there's not really a situation where it's going to occur like this, you know, like this was obviously a naturally occurring situation. We're not going to have any experiments nowadays to really be able to come to the conclusion of like why this happened and why women survived. But, um, I think it probably is, though, a combination like your classic nature versus nurture, uh, you know, argument. I think this is probably part nature, but also part situational and societal, like, you know, what was going on, how women were viewed and treated along these trips. But I don't know. It's still interesting. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Um, But we'd really like to thank our listeners, especially Dave, for suggesting this topic. We never would have known what the Donner Party had to do with women's history and women in general. And, you know, if anything, it told us how strong and hardy women can be, even in the instance of extreme calamity. So that's really a cool story, as disgusting and horrifying as it truly is. And we are always open to suggestions from our listeners. We love it. Um, We've gotten a few in the past and we've gone for it. And the response has just been amazing. It's been so much fun to do the topics that you all want to hear. So please write to us on our Instagram at Betsy boss podcast, send us an email, drop us a line. We would love to hear from you and we'd love to do any topic that you all would find interesting. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode of Betsy Boss Podcast. If you'd like to find us online, we're on Facebook at Betsy Boss Podcast, on Instagram at Betsy Boss Podcast, on Twitter at Betsy Boss Pod, and our email is Betsy Boss Podcast at gmail.com. Also, Betsy Boss is now on both iTunes and Spotify. If you like what you hear, please rate, subscribe, and comment. Thanks again for listening.